Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links here on MMAfighting.com. Hope this week finds you well. I'm currently in the outside the Caribbean ballroom in Fort Lauderdale at the Marriott, the site of the Triller Fight Club press conference on Thursday. I am here. Uh, so the show is going to be a little bit different this week. We're not going to have your classic one-on-one matchup, even though Jed Mishu would be feeling pretty good about that. But it's just going to be him and I bantering about in MMA and you guys can judge for yourselves. Like, I don't even think it's going to be like a competitive thing. I'm thinking I'm just going to ask him a bunch of questions and just kind of let him go off and then I'll jump in when I can. But that's what we're doing. We have topics to discuss. We're going to do a full on thing because I didn't even know if we're going to do a show, but we wanted to give you something. So here we are. And speaking of Jed Mishu, here he is. Let me introduce him right now. Four wins in a row. He has found his mojo again. Stella has officially gotten his groove. Jed, how are you, my friend? I think it's more than four in a row. I think it's four defenses in a row. I think I'm on five or six wins in a row. Now, last week you were going for four, and I think oh, you misheard I? me, and you maybe said, I yeah, I got four wins in a row. I didn't even know that. Maybe I did, you know. that's It's too hard to keep up when you're this winning. I'm so good, Mike, that nobody even wanted to, to contend against me anymore. Uh, also, I will just note, because uh, it struck me after we did after we signed off last week, that I have conveniently won a lot since EKC Leiden is no longer the judge. I, I don't know why that might be the case, but maybe next time we can get him him to come up and catch these verbal hands. Oh, now that would be fun. That I mean, he fun. has a lot of victories over me. He is arguably the only person ever to defeat me, so I would love to get a chance to go at Casey if he wants to step from behind the booth and into the hot seat. That would be a hell of a BTL main event right there. Uh, we, we, we will work on that, see if we can get the, the matchmakers involved, go to the BTL championship committee, see if they can make some phone calls. But 
Speaking of main events, let's discuss the main event from this past Saturday inside the Octagon. And by the way, Jed, can I just say what a welcome it was to have a fight card that only had eight fights. And nine, I think it, maybe it was nine. It was yeah, nine. it was nine fights. Nine. It was nine fights. I didn't want to get too, too cocky here. Nine fights. It started at 2 p.m. Eastern. By like 6.30 Eastern, we were already doing the post-fight show. It was an amazing day. I enjoyed it so much. I was refreshed. I loved that. But in the end, the last thing we saw before we went to the post-show was Derek Brunson get his fifth consecutive victory. He goes out there. He dominates Darren Till. Darren Till came out throwing hams early. But then Derek Brunson uses wrestling, submits Darren Till in the third round. This man has now won five in a row, and he's calling out the big dog. He wants the rematch with Israel Adesanya. So, before we go to what is next for Derek Brunson, anytime we talk about a middleweight fight on this show, Jed, you always like to say things to the effect of, you know, I'm sure Israel Adesanya watched the fight, but he's not losing any sleep over it. Was Derek Brunson's performance enough to make him lose a little bit of sleep, even like five minutes to get up and go to the bathroom or something? Anything? Not at all. But we're going we're gonna to table that for a sec because I do want to address what you led with. Because this should be the blueprint for all UFC cards moving forward. It was so lovely, Mike. Like, one, <laughs> it got over in time so I could watch UGA put the boots to Clemson. That was great. Uh, two, nine fights. Almost everybody on the fight card had a wiki, as we talked about last week. Like, you knew who these people were. There were a lot of engaging personalities. It was the, you know, it was odd being the, the British invasion on U.S. territory like that. That whole the whole dynamics on why it happened at two was a little odd, but it worked out so lovely. And I wish that this is what the UFC would just do moving forward. I'm convinced that half the reason people like the contender series is it's just five fights straight to the dome, not a lot of nonsense, not a lot of extra. Here are your fights, move on with your life. And I really would love them to do more of that. As far as the fights go, uh, yeah, Izzy ain't losing any sleep, man. Um, I thought Derek Brunson – I want to give Derek Brunson props before we start discussing all the other things that go here because I haven't seen anybody else say anything about this, and I don't understand it. That finishing sequence was freaking awesome, man. Brunson, Brunson was hurt. Like, he was half conscious and was shooting the desperation, oh, I'm totally about to get my doors blown off. I need to hold on. And instead he held on, but then finished the takedown, moved immediately to mount, transitioned to the back and got a tap. Like all half conscious. That's an insane finishing sequence. And nobody like gives that any credit at all. It's been super frustrating for me. It was a, it was a great finish. It was, it was, it was like, it was all Derek Brunson. Darren Till had his moments when he had his moments that he made them count, but of course, there's a lot of talk about injuries and things like that. We'll get to Darren Till in a moment, but Derek Brunson goes through. He calls for Adesanya. That's not happening unless he gets – unless some unluck hits Robert Whitaker or somebody else. But right now, it seems like Derek Brunson has two choices. He can wait for Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker to fight and hope that Adesanya wins so he can get in there and get a title shot. Or you take another fight against Jared Cannonier or – maybe the winner of Marvin Vittori versus Paulo Costa when that fight happens. He's got some options. I feel like, especially like in just straight up context and terminology, Derek Brunson has done enough to get a title shot at 185. He absolutely has, but Israel Adesanya is the man. It's Whitaker first, and then we'll see what happens. 
What should Derek Brunson do? Should he sit out and wait and just hope that things fall into place, that Robert Whitaker doesn't win so they don't have the trilogy fight? Or do you got to take another fight? Because I feel like, and let me just get your take on this, because I feel like Jared Cannonier is the popular choice. Fight Jared Cannonier. But I think Cannonier needs Brunson more to solidify a title shot, much more in my mind than Brunson needs Cannonier to solidify that title shot. Am I crazy? Yeah, I... I don't think you're necessarily crazy for that. I just don't think – I don't think Brunson has options, right? Like in, in this world of meritocracy and, and earning things, yes, Derek Brunson put together a five-part win streak. None of this has come against like the top, top tier of the division, but still five fights. He has established himself as a firm top five fighter. He's on the best run of all the people in that top five. And he, you know, I know he already does have a loss to the champion, assuming Izzy beats Whitaker in their rematch. But everybody else either has one fight win streak, like Cam Lear, or they just lost. He makes the most sense in a meritocracy. We don't live in a meritocracy, and the UFC certainly isn't one. So there aren't really options here. I know Derek Brunson said he wants to sit out, wait for the winner. That's great. He can attempt to do that. But ultimately, what is going to happen here is the UFC is going to come knocking on his door and say, hey, Okay, Izzy Whitaker, hopefully that happens by the end of this year. I'm not even sold that that's going to be the case. I know they're trying to make that happen, but uh, it seems like given how COVID is and everything, that's that's just not going to happen until early next year. So, one, if Brunson sits and waits and then Whitaker does win, then he can't wait at all. There's no option to wait because they will immediately run the, the trilogy back and they're not going to let Brunson sit on the shelf for 18 months and collect a title shot. The only person that I can think they've done that for was Tyron Woodley. And I, it was honestly astonishing that they did it for him in the first place. So Brunson can't do that if that happens. And even if it doesn't shake out like that, one, I don't think Adesanya just roasted Brunson immediately after, after the fight. I don't think he's losing any sleep, and I don't think he cares at all about Derek Brunson. He already beat Derek Brunson very decisively. And I don't think he thinks blonde Brunson is really a thing that's going to gonna affect him in any way. And so, look, Adesanya has been pretty open about wanting to fight Darren Till for some unknown reason. Just king and commander of the fail upward all-stars, Darren Till, keeps trying to get a title shot off losses. But Adesanya also has just been like, yeah, I want to fight Jared Cannonier. So Cannonier coming off a loss to Whitaker and now this most recent win, again, not over uh, again. Actually, a win over the other the the tag team duo of the fail upward all stars in Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, still, he had a competitive fight with Robert Whitaker. Uh, I think if Izzy had his brothers and he kind of gets to call the shots, he might just snipe Cannoneer to take the next title shot. I he just Brunson just doesn't have the option. He's going to have to fight Jared Cannoneer because we are going to get the Vittori um, Paulo Costa fight. That's next month. I'm pretty sure. And the winner of that will then be like, let me fight Jared Cannonier, maybe as the undercard bout to Izzy Whitaker. And then the winner of a fight between Cannonier and the winner of, of uh, Costa Vittori, that has a better claim in a lot of regards for a title shot than Brunson does. He's going to have to fight someone. If he sits out and waits, he might then have to fight, I don't know, uh, who hasn't he fought that's in like the top-ish of the division? Costa. I, I, 
Yeah, but well, yeah, he might have to fight the loser of Costa Vittori to try and get try and get a title fight off of that. He needs to come out, stake his claim, and just say, "Hey, man, uh, Jared Cannonier, let's you and me fight on the undercard for this inevitable middleweight match. Winner gets the title fight. That's his cleanest way to get there. It's a really hard fight for him, but I think that's his. I don't think he has options. I think that's that's where he has to go." Yeah, I think that's probably where he's going to end up having to go for sure. Uh, but if you're Brunson, you lobby to put it on that same card as the title fight. And then if something happens, you're the first man up and you get to fight for your title. So we'll see. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think I think you said it earlier, and that's the only way he's going to get there is if if something happens to, to Whitaker or, or Adesanya and he can step in as a short notice, I think that's the only way. Yeah, and now with Darren Till... You talked about the, you got the, the failed upward team captain. Fail, fail upward all-stars. It's it's Darren Till, Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, I had a couple others in there, but those are the two. Those are the co-captains of the fail upward all-stars. Yes. He did not uh, He did not fail upwards. He took a little bit of a beating. Yes, there's talk about the injury, and people are now coming out there saying excuses. It seems like the masses have kind of turned on Darren Till a little bit, Jed. Have you noticed that? Did do, do you notice that the fail upward fans are, are turning their backs on him? They're more on Gaslam's side these days. So he had, I've, I've definitely noticed that there's been a groundswell of Darren Till needs to go back to welterweight, but that's the thing about failing upwards. It's not the immediacy. It's not like Darren Till comes out of losing to somebody and immediately gets matched up with somebody higher ranked. It, it sits around for a little bit. You think, Oh, Ah, Darren Till, he's so he's so interesting and such a personality. Maybe maybe he can do it. And then suddenly he gets this fight. And so what's gonna happen here with Darren Till is we're gonna sit here and we're like, you know, Darren Till was about 10 seconds away from from knocking out Derek Brunson. Because he really was. Like Brunson was really hurt in the third round. And if he doesn't get that takedown, uh, I think he's done. I think that that is the end of the fight for him. And so we're gonna start thinking that. And then Till's gonna come out and he's gonna say the right thing, which is I'm going to 170. I've got working with the UFC PI, got a nutritionist. Uh, it worked for Jose Aldo and it has worked for Edson Barboza. I too can be a disciplined fighter and go to 170. And when he goes to 170, hell, he might just get a title shot. <laughs> that's right. And because that's how it works with him, man. Like Usman doesn't want to fight any of the other people in his division because most of them, he's either already beat the hell out of them or they're boring. Like, and I don't blame him. I don't blame Kamaru Usman for never wanting to fight Leon Edwards. As we've discussed many times, that's Leon Edwards' fault. So if Darren Phil just says, hey, man, I'm going to drop to 170, he might get a fight with, like, Vicente Luque. And then maybe he beats Luque. There he is. He has a title shot. Like, right out of the gate. It'd be awesome. He'll get the so, freaking Nate Diaz fight over Luque. Oh, well, that's actually totally true. I didn't even think about Nate Diaz. But yeah, that's, that's a very clean line. All right, he drops to 170, he fights Nate Diaz. Or maybe they just fight at a catchweight, like a 175. And then from that, Usman's like, I want to fight that dude. <laughs> like, that is very much on script for what Darren Till can do here. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I... I, I thought about it because 170 is tough for him, man. He's a big dude for 70. Like he's he is the the, the oh, definition yeah. of a tweener, man. Like he'd be he would benefit from a 175 weight class largely. But I feel like I like the idea of he gets the winner of Luke Rockhold versus Sean Strickland. Cause I know that Till's record as of late has not been very good. However, as you sort of noted, 
in the, the top of the landscape of this middleweight division, a win over Darren Till is way, has way more volume and way more meaning than beating like anybody else in the top of that division right now, outside of Robert Whitaker and the champion. Like it just, it, it just, it's craziness. I know it, it's, it makes no sense at all. Like, but, but beating Darren, like if Sean Strickland beats Luke Rockhold and then beats Darren Till, he will get a bigger fight than if he beats Luke Rockhold and beats Marvin Vittori. Like, it's just the way that it is. And Marvin Vittori has had much more success over the last five fights than Darren Till has. Honestly, uh, you're, so you're 100% correct. Uh, if Sean Strickland pulls out of the Rockhold fight for some reason, Rockhold is actually like a perfect opponent for Darren Till. Because Darren Till might actually be able to knock out Luke Rockhold. And I say might actually because if the listeners haven't figured this out yet, I like Darren Till as uh, a personality. He's engaging and interesting. He is at best an okay fighter. And I am sorry to burst everybody's bubble, but go take a look at his record if you haven't. He has one win that is arguably good, and that is over Donald Cerrone. Old-ass Cowboy Cerrone who he outweighed by probably 35 pounds on fight night. His other wins, quote-unquote, that are good, were bad decision wins. Like, he didn't beat Steven Thompson, and he didn't even beat Kelvin Gastelum, who's also not nearly as good as people think he is. Like, he, he's just – I don't – he's a magic man, and I respect his ability to smoke and mirrors his way to a title shot. Uh, but yeah, Luke Rockhold is actually a totally, like he can totally knock out Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold's chinny and doesn't like left hands. And Darren Till has at least can kind of punch some, though I think that's a little overrated from him. And it's a, and he has a pretty good left hand. Like that's, that's actually the fight that they should have made for Luke Rockhold. Sean Strickland is, uh, probably going to, I don't know. I I'm 50, 50 on how that fight looks. I think Sean Strickland certainly can beat Luke Rockhold, but I also don't think Sean Strickland, anybody's that pumped about Sean Strickland, whereas at least Darren Till knocking out Luke Rockhold has smoke and mirrors cachet, if not actual cachet at this point. Yeah, and he would get a title shot afterwards because that's the world we live in. But And that's real- fine. Let me be, I, yeah, I'd watch the hell out of Izzy fight Darren Till. i watch Izzy fight anybody to, to steal a phrase from our colleague Jose Young. i watch Israel Adesanya make bold pudding. So I'll definitely watch him <laughs> fight Darren Till because he's going to light Darren Till's ass up. So yes, I would watch that fight and I'm okay with him getting a title shot, but I, he's just, he's just not that good. And I'm, I want us all to understand that. Real quick, before we move on to the rest of the show, Patty Pimblett obviously was the, probably second biggest winner of the night. He might even be the, the biggest star of the show, getting that victory, knocking out Luigi Vendramini, coming back from adversity. I feel like there's more buzz coming out of Pimblett's win than Brunson's win or anybody else's. That's just the way it is. His fan base grew. More people were talking about Patty. Patty was on the MMA hour. That was a very big deal. Your thoughts on, on Patty's performance and where our expectations should be, because that's been a, a pretty contentious subject since Saturday. Oh, uh, your expectations should be extremely low. Um, Patty Pimblett is Patty Pimblett is maybe the greatest, in my opinion. I guess I'll qualify it with that. He is maybe the greatest example of of that old adage that you hear about why Vince McMahon wasn't worried about the UFC in the first place. Because like when when the UFC was first getting on Spike, there's a story about how Spike was where Raw was at the time, and Vince McMahon was like, I don't care, not going to counter program or deal with any, it's fine. Because they, he 
a competitor because they did not have the power of the book. They could not control their outcomes. And so it, you know, they can't build stars, not the same thing. I'm not worried that obviously, I don't know that that came to bite them in the ass. Cause I think that they've had a successful symbiotic relationship in a lot of ways, but in the immediacy that came off looking real stupid when the UFC exploded in the mid aughts. Uh, but Patty Pimblett is like the perfect distillation of that because this kid has everything in the world except for the fighting talent. Like he, he's not a bad fighter, but he's not a, he's not a good one. Uh, which is why he almost got knocked out by Luigi Vendramini, who's like a fine fighter that you don't know because there are a lot of pretty good fighters in the world that you don't know because they're just, they're the best guy in their gym or the third best dude in their gym, but they're not world renowned need to know. Patty Pimblett has that level of talent. Everything else through the roof. People love him. He's charismatic. I think the name does a lot for him because Patty Pimblett is like, that's a star name. That's a, that's a name in like an Elmore Leonard novel. That's it's a great name. Uh, his hair is a trademark. Weirdly. Uh, I don't get why it is, but it works for him. Like everything else he has going, he's really good on the mic. Uh, he's got the Scouser accent, like all of these factors bundle into what should be a future star, but he is he is going to find a ceiling extremely quickly in the UFC. Like the the lightweight and or featherweight division. Wasn't that the other one that he's a cage warrior champion of? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Both of those. One, the lightweight division is the best division in the world. Said it many times. Uh, the UFC's lightweight division is uh, an absolute shark tank, and the featherweight division isn't much easier. And he's just not. He's 26, and I said this after the fight, and I caught a lot of flack on Twitter because Pimblett has fans. Uh, you know, he's 26. He can grow. One, not really. 20 end of when you start seeing fight, like, prospects develop. There are very few fighters in history who have made, like, these huge career turnarounds once they push start pushing 30. And the ones that are, are really noticeable, but – but you can look back to them and be like, oh, they had a defined weakness that they fixed. Patty Pimblett's just, he's not a very good athlete. He's a, like, he's okay, but I think he's a minus athlete for both the divisions and that's hard to overcome. And he's just, he's a little chinny. Like again, Luigi Vendramini had him on skates, like real bad, full credit to him because the comeback was dope. That fight was sick. It was an awesome round of action. But like Luigi Vendramini, you should be beating dudes like that really easily if you want to be the next connor and that's that's what patty wants to do he's got all the other things going on with it the cage warriors background but i our expectation should be he's going to be a fun dude he is probably really soon to join the he is the new recruit for that that tag team <laughs> uh patty pimblet that look he looks like uh he looks like my 44 year old brother's like elementary school photo like that the hair the, yeah. the clothes like yeah. all that stuff and then that, that works for him and i appreciate that about him um the bellator champion series is back in action friday may 17th live from paris france reigning bantamweight champ patchy mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. 
This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So that's Vegas 36. I know some other stories came out of that, but I want to move ahead to our good friend Dana White saying just brilliant things. Uh, so Dana White appeared on on all shows. Of all shows, he appeared on Travis Brown's podcast, which I didn't even know Travis Brown had a podcast or was doing anything uh, with media. But he was asked about low fighter pay, and Travis Brown had some things to say about it. And then Dana White just went off on the media, and he said, quote, You have these scumbags out there that know nothing about the business telling all the fighters, oh, you're being underpaid, you're not being paid enough money, you're not this, it goes on every effing day. Every media member that talks about fighter pay is a scumbag who is basically just out there to get attention because they literally know nothing about the business or the pay or how any of this shit works. It's all part of the game. That's who they are, that's what they do, and I literally could give an F. So that is Dana White's response to fighter pay and blaming all the conversations on the quote-unquote scumbag media. Jed, your thoughts on the UFC president's amazing words of wisdom that he bestowed upon Travis Brown and the 14 people who listened to his podcast. Wow. Mike Heck throwing shots at T. Brown. (laughs) Love that. Uh, Yeah, I'm happy to be a scumbag, I guess, like, uh, it's just a lie, and that's all it is. And I'm just gonna call it what it is. Like he's he is is making personal attacks and or lying uh, about what he's doing because he doesn't have a good moral ground to stand on. And that's, I mean, that's fine, I guess. Like that's the way a lot of things work these days. And you know, it's gonna work for him. There're gonna be a lot of people who pick that up and say, yeah, he's right. But it's he's objectively not telling the truth that we don't know anything about finances. He's right. We don't know everything about finances because the UFC has kept that in a black box for a really long time, which should be your first clue that something not good is going on. When people aren't willing to talk to you about their finances from a business perspective, that just begs the question, what shady shit are you doing, dude? Uh, and But actually, we do know because there is a lawsuit. It's been going on for quite some time. And the 20% number that fighters have started banding about that, that the media has been saying for years, that doesn't come from nowhere. Fighters make about 20% of revenue. That number comes from Dana White. It comes from the UFC because that number was uncovered in this lawsuit. So either Dana is lying 
both in legal documentation and in the middle of a trial about what he is paying fighters, or he is lying to those you think is more likely, but it's certainly not that he is lying in a position that could get him jail time. Like he he's telling the truth. Fighters make 20% of revenue. And if you want to say that that's okay, uh, you're friggin' moron. That's it. I don't have any kind words or I can't soften that blow. You're just a dumbass. Because why in, in what world would it make sense that the fighters who are the product make 20% of the revenue and 80 other 80% of it goes elsewhere? It, there is none. In every other major league sport in this country, fighter, uh, the, the athletes make somewhere close to 50%. That the the U.S. fighters literally make less than half of what any other major pro athlete does. This isn't to have a discussion about other ways that the 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 revenue could be spent, spent or fighter compensation could have. Because that I'm totally willing to to say, you know what, the way you have structured fighter, like that's fine. Fighters should just be paid for fighting and win bonuses. I don't agree. I don't think win bonuses should should exist. But the basic, you know, uh, architecture of how they're paid, you want to argue that that is that's optimal or not. Again, I would disagree. I think it would make more sense for every fighter to make a yearly salary and then get paid extra for fighting. You know, they get a bonus or whatever. That way, these fighters can take care of themselves over the long term. But again, then they're employees, not contractors, and then you can do a lot less things with them. But ultimately, you can't argue the numbers because Dana gave them to us. So he can he can call us scumbags and that's fine. Uh that's that's just who he is and like i i'm not gonna get too bent out of shape by him calling me a scumbag because i'll call him a scumbag like it's the same thing uh you know it it this is who he is it's unfortunate that honestly my biggest issue is with travis brown here because dana was always going to do this he's been doing this for years now and so this is I, like I, I can't expect anything different from him. He has shown us who he is. But Travis Brown ostensibly should have some sense of loyalty or, or companionship with fighters being one. And instead, he's he's boosting Dana White's profile. I guess I don't. Uh, frankly, he's getting his profile boosted by having Dana on his podcast. But like, yeah, man, it's it's just sort of the same thing that's always been. Like, all right, Dana call us scumbags. I'll call you a scumbag. That's it. Nothing else is going to happen from either side of this. You're not going to pay fighters more. Fighters aren't going to nut up and make you pay them more. We're going to be going around in this circle forever. Apparently it's crazy. Cause I've talked to, I've talked to a lot of fighters about this. And by the way, I agree with what Ariel said during his Q and a rant on the MMA hour that fighters are coming out and talking about this themselves. Like they're bringing it up. Julian Arosa brought this up. Like he wasn't talking about fighter pay. He was just talking about like the bonus structure and how it's a little frustrating. And that if he had made the $50,000, that would have ostensibly doubled his pay. Him going out there, taking a short notice fight on a new contract against Charles Jordan on like 10 days notice, his win and show equaled around $50,000. So if he got the bonus that went to Patty Pimblett and went to Meatball Molly and Gian Kim and went to Tom Aspinall, what a lot of people felt that Julian Rosa should have at least gotten a fight of the night bonus. Like that is life-changing money right there. And it just sucks that these are the conversations we have to have. I Nothing makes me sadder than when a fighter goes on the broadcast and says, I'm broke, please let me have the bonus. Like it sucks, dude. It sucks when you hear people say that. And it's, it's just different. horrible. 
It's we're different because that doesn't honestly. It doesn't I, do anything though. It's I know it, it doesn't, doesn't do, do anything. anything. But it doesn't make me sad anymore. Like it did previously, but now I'm just so inured to it. I guess uh, honestly, what it makes me angry because if for no other reason than to make that stop happening, Dana White should have done something. Like if I ran that business and on a weekly basis, I my consumers, the people watching my my product we're being reminded that I do not pay my employees a wage that makes them comfortable and happy. And they are begging for a handout. Uh, I would immediately fix that. And if, even if it's just, yeah, everybody gets instead of, instead of win bonuses, they're just finished bonuses. Just get a finish. Like, Oh, that's better. It's still not great, but it's better. Like it's all, oh, this is dumb. Uh, and it's, I, I have tried not to spend a lot of mental energy on it because I mean, outside of everything else I previously said, which all still stands, when was the last time uh, any reporter or news person uh, asked Dana about fighter pay? They don't. It's not like it happens at every press conference. They're like, so why aren't you paying fighters more? It's like Ariel and you just said, we're talking about it and we're reporting the stories of fighters saying, hey man, I am broke. And that's news and I'm sorry he doesn't like news. We're not a friggin' PR company. Uh, though I am a PR company for Fight Circus, shouts to them. There you go. Uh, what Patreon? They have a Patreon. Is that they have a Patreon now, baby. I am a a uh, what I think it's called Big Boss. Uh, I'm I just found out about this via their YouTube channel, and of course had to go show them love uh, because right now I want to show Fight Circus all the love because in the not too distant future they're going to triller the hell out of themselves, and then I'm not going to be able to like them anymore. Yes, that is what we call in the business a segue because we could talk it about is. Dana and fighter pay uh, all we want. And maybe and, and maybe the fight circus folks can make this Donald Trump versus Joe Biden fight happen before Triller because apparently that's going to be a thing according to the press conference we saw today. So uh, let us move on to Triller because it has been a crazy several days for this company and for combat sports because on Friday, we were all preparing for an event in Los Angeles eight days later which would be headlined by former UFC light heavyweight champion Vitor Belfort taking on the returning Oscar De La Hoya. And yeah, we kind of like shrugged our shoulders a little bit, but then we, we, we sort of understood the fight and we were like, okay, like sure. And then we found out Anderson Silva was going to box Tito Ortiz and then that things got a little more interesting there. And then we found out Oscar De La Hoya on Friday came down with COVID-19. He was very sick. He was out of the fight. So Vitor Belfort is without opponent. And then we find out that Evander Holyfield, the 58-year-old former cruiserweight and heavyweight champion of the world, is a possibility to take this fight if California will clear him. If not, they are going to shift this entire event to South Florida, which is where I'm doing this broadcast right now. And that's what, that is what happened. Evander Holyfield versus Vitor Belfort is going to main event Triller Fight Club Legends 2 this Saturday. And... I don't know, man. It's been an interesting fight week. That's for sure. Evander Holyfield answering questions. I interviewed him yesterday. I mean, I'll be honest. I was a little concerned speaking to the man. And then he did his workout. It made, it did not alleviate any concerns at all. So a lot to digest there, Jed. It's been a busy few days for Triller and combat sports and Evander Holyfield and Vitor Belfort. When you found out this is a thing, when you found out this is moving to Florida, when you found out that this is a full-on professional boxing bout sanctioned by the Florida Athletic Commission and that we're going to see this in 
a little over 48 hours to record this right now. What were your thoughts on it? Uh, I My thoughts were many. I had a lot of them, as you can imagine. They really boiled down to, uh, I'm not going to see this anymore. So we had talked about this. We, this has been an ongoing segment for us for basically this whole year. I was super not into Triller. Then I slowly got around to it. And then I went to the Triller Ben Askren, Jake Paul thing. And it was awesome. It was one of the best experiences of my professional career. It's so much fun. So I was fully on board. And right after that event happened, I went to our editor, Brian Tucker, and I was like, hey, Brian, the next time Triller does a thing, you got to send me. Like, I, I want to go to the next one of these. This was awesome. I want to do it. Ended up not happening. Hey, buddy, congratulations on being in Florida. Uh, <laughs> and I, I feel like I dodged all the bullets somehow <laughs> because – Look, I didn't I didn't care much about the main event anyway. I would have watched it with some kind of a perverse sense of interest. But as soon as the co-main event was announced, we talked about it on this very program. I was stoked. I'm I am still enthused about the idea of watching the greatest, most accurate striker in MMA history carom shots off that big old cranium of Tito Ortiz's. That's just a good time in anybody's book. So that's going to be great. But the main event went from a thing that I had a passing interest in to a thing that I actively do not want to happen. Uh, it shouldn't happen. Evander Holyfield's workout was awful. Um, Vitor's wasn't like great, but it looked substantially better than Holyfield. Uh, it, it really begs it it would i guess it would beg the question how holyfield is being sanctioned for this if it weren't for the answer is just that this is florida um and like texas or whatever there aren't rules there you just do whatever you want um but you shouldn't and it really creates a risk like i am not saying this lightly or to or to be macabre or anything like that uh there are legitimate health concerns about what is going to take place on i think saturday night uh, like, and I will not be giving any money to support that because look, MMA and boxing are these really weird sports where legitimately every fan base goes into it, wanting to see somebody almost die. You want to see somebody get knocked the F out in horrible ways, but you want them to ultimately get up of their own volition and move on. And probably that is what's going to happen on on saturday and hopefully that is what's going to happen because there is a much much worse world where the thing that you don't want to happen happens on saturday and you can't unsee it once you see it and you can't take back the money you've given to that and i'm so i'm not like as much as i want to watch anderson silva piece up tito ortiz i'm just not I can't, and I've, I can't in good conscience contribute money to almost 60-year-old Evander Holyfield boxing after after what he looked like in his open workouts. And the only thing I can really say is I, I wish him the best. I hope that things do not go as badly as could happen here. Uh, but it nobody involved in this should allow it to happen. Uh, Vitor should not take this fight, like, at all. I, he just shouldn't do it and be like – but everybody's going to let it go. And Triller, it took less, it took one and a half events for Triller to jump the shark in a bad way, which is awful. 
Like that is truly terrible. I agree. Like I agree with pretty much everything you just said. Um, the fact that I'm here is just F it, you know, let's, let's go. Yeah. Cause I mean, and at the same time, like, I wasn't really sure what to expect. Like Holyfield had been put in a couple, there were talks about him doing the fight with Tyson again, which was cool. Then he was booked to fight Kevin. It made a lot of sense at the time until you watched Holyfield hit mitts. Yeah. Then he was going to fight Kevin McBride in June on the undercard of the the Lopez fight. And we're like, all right. So, I mean, the guy was training. So, like, in my mind, I'm like, all right, the the dude is training, whatever. Like, then seeing the workout and I'm like, man, and then interviewing him and I'm like, man, like it's, it, it was just kind of rough to watch after interviewing Vitor and spending time with both of these guys. I don't know, man, something tells me that although the Florida commission is allowing this fight to happen and that they are doing, they're calling it 10, eight, two minute rounds and it's full on heavyweight rules. I feel we're going to see an exhibition fight out there, Jed. Like at least the stylistic of, of of an exhibition fight. Like I I just don't see, no. especially after looking in Vitor's eyes and speaking with him and seeing what he had to say at the media roundtable today. I don't think he's gonna go out there and try to kill this man. I don't think he's gonna go out there and try to hurt him. I really don't. I hope I'm right about this. I hope I'm right. I'm hoping these guys move around. They have a you know a, a pretty much a sparring match. Like that's what I'm hoping to see. But a lot of people are like, Vitor's going to go out there. He's TRT Vitor. He's going to go out there and murder this man. I don't think we're going to see that. I'm not happy about the fight, but maybe it's just maybe it's just the positivity in me, the silver lining in me that's just like, listen, this is going to happen. Let's try to put a positive spin on this as much as possible. So I really feel like we're going to see just two guys moving around and throwing some punches and that the real main event will be the Silver Ortiz fight where those two guys are going to try to beat the brakes off each other. Oh man, I didn't realize Alex K. Lee had joined the show, but uh, good, good for, good for you to just be be so so rose colored about all this. I hope you're right, man. And Vitor is is not a dumb dude at all. Like Vitor is really smart, and so it is entirely possible that Vitor is reading the tea leaves correctly, and that that is that is the way that this should happen. But I I am I just have a fear that that's not it, and I, I hope I'm wrong. And because I don't, nobody wants to see 60 year old Evander Holyfield get slabbed by Vitor Belfort in a boxing match that doesn't mean anything. So uh, I, I hope you're right. And if so, uh, that won't make anything else better. Like if, because Vitor was, was very, very self-aware and aware of the moment does not make anything better that this happened or was allowed to happen in the first place. And it doesn't fix the trailer's other horrible inclusion uh, that I don't want to spend time about, but we can't not say, because how do you not talk about the fact that a former U.S. president is somehow going to commentate this thing? Oh, like, I thought I thought you were going to talk about them trying to bring Marvin Gaye back to life to perform with Snoop Dogg, but yes, I, I apparently... No, I, I mean, too. look, I love Marvin Gaye, so I'm okay with it. It's not, it's not, yeah. a, it's not good, but uh, Marvin Gaye is the man. True story, whenever I'm having a really, really shitty round of golf, uh, we throw on Marvin Gaye to try and pick me up back, back out of this because Marvin Gaye is just – he's an icon. Like, What's going on is a, is a peaceful jam, dude. 
literally everything he has is a peaceful gem, yeah. but yeah. Uh, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know if you're blasting sexual healing on the golf course, but here oh, we are. Sexual healing actually is that's that really gets me going. I gotta, be, <laughs> I gotta be feeling strong out there, you know, just uh, any we it's it's on like a Spotify playlist or whatever, but you just let it let it rotate through and let Marvin. And Marvin, take you home, man. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So what do you think about this whole thing? We got, we got Donald Trump. Who, was, who phoned in at the press conference. We had Donald Trump Jr. who was at the press conference. And I felt like between the two of those guys, it was 30 minutes of the freaking press conference was asking those guys questions. And I get it. Like, it's a big deal, you know, for those guys to get those guys. You can't just like let them come in and you got to ask them questions and make them part of the show. So, yeah. So it's, oh, what the hell is his name? So it's, it's Trump, Trump Jr., Todd Grisham, that's the name I was looking for. And Jorge Mazadal, that is the alternate commentary. And then we don't even know who's going to be commentating the other car because Jim Lampley has reportedly walked mad, away. Mad props to Jim Lampley. Uh, because that was like one of the first things that was said in some private conversations with me. Like once the Trump thing was like, wow, Jim Lampley is really just cratering his reputation right now. And he could have done it. He could have settled for tying his sagging reputation to Oscar De La Hoya and Anderson Silva versus Tito Ortiz. But this carnival of, of failure and sin, he's like, no, man, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm better than this and good for him. He's He is acting like a responsible adult. So uh, as far as the rest of it, man, uh, I think it's an awful idea because it has no value uh, that I like the what bringing Donald Trump in does not bring value to the broadcast in any sustainable way. It is a clear, it's a clout grab and like, that's fine. And maybe it gets a few more eyeballs. So I really doubt that's the case. Uh, Cause like, who's gonna, are people really going to pay just to hear Donald Trump not commentate on a fight they don't give a shit about? Cause he's, it's not like, it's not like former president Donald Trump is going to, he's going to give us a rousing play by play. Like you, it is not clever at all for me to tell you what's going to be said because I'm not making a joke, but you listener at home can probably just quickly sketch out Donald Trump's commentary. And I bet you, you're going to be like 80% right. Like 
the only good, the only thing that I think would be of value is if somehow in this professional fight, quote unquote, a bad decision is rendered, then having Trump commentate that would be funny because he would immediately be like, that is a worse decision than uh, Joe Biden taking the election for me. And that would just be funny to watch that, that man deal with his pain in that way. But other than that, like, there's nothing. He brings nothing. He's not going to talk about the fights. Uh, the one bad thing from Triller the last time was all the other people they brought in, like Mario Lopez, who doesn't know fighting, was was trying his best to make things interesting, and that was awful. Like, just have Jim Lampley do it, but now you can't even get that. So it's going to be awful. Uh, and again, I'm not going to watch or give it money, and I suggest you not either. Instead, tune into MMAfighting.com. You can get all of the coverage that you need and anything relevant. You can read and or watch about it there. What is your guess? Okay. Uh, me and me and Oscar Willis were talking about this today because he we were talking about it and looking at the landscape and what's going on this weekend. Yes, it's we got college football back. We got the NFL coming back. It's Tom Brady's about literally about to go and defend his title and just do the damn thing because he's just the greatest of all time. But how many pay-per-view buys does this thing do? Over under two hundred thousand. Does it beat two hundred thousand? I think it does two fifty. I think it's under. I think it's certain. It's certainly under half a mil. I think it's under three, probably. Is that uh, successful though with this card? If they do three hundred thousand pay-per-view buys with fifty-eight-year-old Evander Holyfield versus Vitor Belfort, who is one and zero or zero and one as a professional boxer, and they do three hundred thousand pay-per-view buys. Is this a win for them? I have no idea. Like that would ent- almost entirely depend on financials. Realistically, it was like three hundred. If they do two fifty, like honestly, two fifty might still be a little high. But I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. Like two fifty is what you can expect a pretty bad UFC pay per view to pull, just in general. And this, for all for all the failures of this card, and there are many, it does at least have really marquee names at the top of it. Uh, I also, I changed my mind, Mike. Uh, I'm actually totally pro Donald Trump commentary. If, and only if one major caveat, if there's, if someone can link me to a sports book that is taking an over under bets on how many times Trump mentions the election and or Joe Biden, then I'm in because I would absolutely watch that. You give that man a microphone for however long and I'm taking the, I'm smashing the over, whatever it is. Pick a number, can't go too high. I'm smashing the over, and I'm going to try and make some money on Saturday. What would be more surprising, Trump not mentioning the election at all or this card doing a million pay-per-view buys? Oh, definitely Trump not mentioning the election at all. Like, there's there's a 0% chance he doesn't at least make a side comment about it. There's some world where putting Donald Trump on the pay-per-view just galvanizes his fan base into buying it and if so then that's a calculated genius move by triller and fair play to them they did it i don't think it's going to work out that way but i could at least see a universe where that happened i there is no one that i can imagine where former u.s president donald trump uh just graciously commentates a fight and doesn't bring up himself or his things in any capacity yeah i I mean here we are. It's 2021. Like every interview I've done, I'm, Weirdo you, <laughs> I mean, the first question I asked Tito is just like, dude, it's 2021. Like how wild is this year? It's insane. 
Also, this does beg a very good question for my my dear and good friend Colby Covington. You know, you know me and Colby, great great friends. Uh, can he credibly claim to be Donald Trump's favorite fighter anymore? Because he's he's now he's now going to commentate on a card where Tito Ortiz is fighting and in a booth with Jorge Masvidal, nemesis of my good friend Colby Covington. So I'm not sure. The next time you talk to Colby. After you let him know that I've very graciously offered to give him a title fight for my BTL belt, please then inform him that I would like to know how he feels about not being Donald Trump's favorite fighter anymore because I'm I'm interested. Yeah. I wonder if he was offered this. Maybe, maybe he was. Colby likes to go off, like just just disappear when he has a fight book. So maybe he was just like, nah, I'm good. I'm uh, I can't can't get in there. I gotta fight. I don't I know. Mean, He's like that. Maybe, uh, or maybe he's just crying because he realized that he's not Donald Trump's favorite fighter anymore. And that's, that's a sad, it's a sad realization to come to. Colby, you will always be my favorite fighter. So don't worry about it, buddy. You come on here and we will talk through all of your problems and we will fix your career right here on Between the Links. Nice. And apparently 50 Cent is going to be part of the broadcast team as well, Jed. Oh, good. This Why is, not? This is going to be some event. <laughs> Triller, Triller just—they're just putting names in a hat and drawing it out. Triller is legitimately playing cards against humanity, and whatever whatever thing they come up with, like, all right, let's get that grouping as the commentary team. Let's go. Yeah, here's let's bring in Casey and JoJo to perform during the show. Like, come on, I, like, I'm sure. What what music pairs better with Marvin Gaye than Casey and JoJo? That is an excellent point right there. And 50 Cent. I mean, that is a seamless integration of musical taste, as far as I'm concerned. And then here comes Rage Against the Machine. And we just bounce around all different genres. And here comes Krista Berg singing Lady in Red. <laughs> Lady? I can't say. <laughs> I cannot sing on this program. Yeah, that's an AK thing. Uh, so I think the show is kind of running away from us at this point. I think we talked about every everything this we really need. So what is running away from us, Mike? Yeah, the whole damn year. This is unbelievable. What is happening? I got a freaking hurricane blowing to the right of me, so I, I, I got to say I'm a little bit uh, a little bit nervous. I don't know what's going on. I'm still like half an hour away from the hotel. I used to the whole hurricane life. I know. I mean, once in a while. This summer has been crazy. Just Massachusetts, we got we destroyed. I mean, it's not my driveway. It got ripped into shreds from freaking rainstorm. So here we are. 2021 is all sorts of weird, Jed. All sorts of weird. South Carolina, I mean, you actually are – place of south carolina it's not going to get hit at that bad but your state gets gets pummeled yeah i was supposed to have a softball my team has a softball practice and it's still happening tonight despite getting oh, rained on all day ak made a great speech about so yeah first thing i did when i got down i was like i'm gonna jump on something yeah. either a basketball league or softball league whatever we got and i jumped on a softball. i threw myself into a free agent pool and i got a call the next day uh, did they know did they know who they got on their team are they aware that they have the leading man in MMA right now? No, I don't think they do. I mean, wow. That's fine. Gonna, they just care. Gonna... Listen, they, they just care that I could catch the damn ball and and hit and not pop out to the to the pitcher. That's all they care be about. Nice to be able to recede into the into the fabric, not not let your fame and stardom really influence how other people perceive you. I wear a fake mustache and sunglasses. Like my name's Eric. Eric Joseph Langley. It's not even. I mean, it's, Joseph Langley. Okay. <laughs> I like it. That's beautiful. 
to be fair, that was my fake ID name when I was 18 years old. So, and you still remember that? Look I at do. You. I do. Eric J. Langley. Where was that? Like a person that you knew, or you just got a fake one? That was so I, I had, I, w- I had friends I went to high school with who were very young looking. They're identical twins, and they had an older brother named Eric J. Langley, who was who ended up moving to California to go to college, but he left his non-expired Massachusetts license around. And for some reason, um, I had hair. I had a. Uh, you know, and I kind of looked like him. So I got it and I, and I never got turned down once, not one time. Oh man. I have a sordid history with fake IDs. I bet. Uh, we think I, we all do. I, at one point I had a fake ID that said I was six, two. Um, I'm not six, two. I'm five, nine. Uh, and one bars in Athens, Georgia, you don't have to, you just have to have a piece of paper that looks good. And be fine. They did have a few bartenders be like, dude, you're not six two. And I was just like, you're right. I'm going to go. <laughs> Kids don't get fake IDs. You probably will, but don't get fake I'm, IDs. I'm not here to tell you what, how to live your life because that's not, that's not a judgment call I make for you children or grownups. You got to make decisions that you can live with whatever those are. Maybe it's watching Triller this weekend. You should, <laughs> but if that's a decision you're going to make, okay. But again, you don't have to because what you can do is go to MMAfighting.com and read and watch all of our coverage there. And while you're there, you can you can comment on any of the blogs or or what have you and say, man, you know it's great. You guys finally gave Jed Mashu a show, and Jed Talks needs to needs to become a real thing because I've been I've been campaigning for a show for five years. And it, it needs to happen at this point. I need to stop. I need to stop intimidating opponents away from between the rings for you, Mike. So this can flourish. Other people can come in. And I need. I need room. To, to, I'm a peacock. You gotta let me fly, Mike. <laughs> oh man. Well, we're we have a lot to discuss on Jed Talks next week. That's for sure. The fallout of this card. Uh, we will get you ready for UFC Vegas 37, which is on the road to UFC 266, which is a really good card. Of course, UFC Vegas 37, that is headlined. Right now it has 15 freaking fights. Uh, Anthony Smith versus Brian Spann, the main event, and then Jed Mishu. You have a decision to make on Saturday. You have a decision to make because on one channel, you get Spann versus Anthony Smith. On the other channel, the Bellator debut of Yoel Romero taking on Phil Davis. Same night, same coast, UFC's in Vegas, Bellator's back in San Jose. We get the, the we finally get uh, Yoel Romero, the best middleweight in the world in your mind, fighting at 205 against Phil, Mr. Wonderful Davis. It is, it's tough. Cause I, well, I, I have three things going on. Cause I also have the Georgia football game that evening where we will take on South Carolina, your new state. Um, and we should beat them, but South Carolina has an annoying way of ruining the best laid plans of Georgia football in the most inconvenient times. So I will also have that con- contending. But yes, it's we'll talk about it. But it's yes. it's hard because I love Yoel, but there's nobody less interesting to watch than Phil Davis. So oh, was, even after the Nemkov fight, that was a fun fight. Look, uh, broken clock's right twice today, buddy. <laughs> Just man. The, the Phil Davis Yoel Romero fight, I am fully prepared to be the worst fight we've ever seen. That I, I mean that entirely seriously. <laughs> well, we will preview the potential worst fight we've ever seen right here next week on Between the Links. Back to normal. 
less chaos. If, um, if you can find anyone who wants to step up and take the challenge. I think we can find somebody. I don't know if it'll be Coldy, but maybe we can make it happen. We'll figure it out. Maybe you and AK can run it back. You and Jose haven't battled in a while, have you? I mean, it's hard to... it Look, it's hard, like Israel Adesanya, it's hard to care about facing Jose Derek Brunson Young. Like, it's just... I already whooped him so many times in so many fashions that it's just it's difficult so you know what maybe i'll just maybe i'll retire until my good buddy colby covington can come on we can we can crack a beer uh and and talk about some things and maybe work some stuff out for him while he gets prepped for his fight uh i love and miss you colby and i can't wait to see you yeah you can't retire you're like half the show like you're like yeah i, I keep you somewhat in line but you're like you're the guy. This is this is your show. You, as John Anik would say, you're the you're the reason the, the the reason with whom the show is built around, Jed Show. I like that this happened just because I I had nothing to do. One day I was like, ooh, I want to join, and then I never left. I That's know. kind it of just who I am as a person. It just knew. I it clicked right away. I'm like, Jed is made for this friggin' show, and it's great. It is, though I liked Chuck Mendenhall's tweet earlier today and somebody somebody responded to it. Chuck said that they need to bring back the MMA beat and re-tag it as something I don't remember. Scumbag 2.0. Scumbags, there you go. It was like, I think that's, that is really the place where I will thrive the most. Where three <laughs> other people can be like, this dude's the lunatic. I'm like, hell yeah. Uh, well, see what Jed has to do and where his lunacy goes next week on Between the Links. Thank you very much. Back to normal. Appreciate your patience, and I appreciate you dealing with a, a little bit of a different format. So, listen, the Trailer Fight Club event's happening, whether we like it or not, so you can either enjoy it and hope for the best, or you just don't buy it. Just don't buy it. And that's it. No, I think that's the right answer, and I need to sign off and say this, Mike. I think I think we can comfortably say this is the first 5-0. I, I won 5-0. Like, we didn't go to an overtime round. I won all the rest. First knockout in BTL history. I'm just breaking ground, breaking new ground. Again, again, I've done it. Wait, you said you're not, you knocked me out or you knocked out the knock? I knocked out everyone. Knocked out, knocked everyone. out everybody. You're the referee. You, I can't <laughs> knock out the referee. That's a DQ, and then I lose my title if I knock out the referee. Ah, uh, well said. All right, we're going to get out of here. We've dragged this exit on way <laughs> too long. But for Jed Bishu, I am Mike Heck. We'll see you back once again next week, everybody. Good night. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.